0: For to be here. This is small town music. This is big town music. He's ahead of his time, you know, but he can use it. If he could prove it. Well, tomorrow's just a song way, a song way,
1: a song way. Hey everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, your comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis. I'm Gary Lucy, Pat, I'm so excited today. This is very fun today. We have, uh, well, across from... Well, Matt Belknap's here. Well, Matt I'm here. I'm here. here. That's,
2: it's very exciting to see Matt. <laughs> Matt Belknap's <laughs> That's here. not the exciting it's part.
1: It's been a week. No, the, the exciting part is we have a guest in here today, folks, and um, very gracious to come in here on a Sunday morning, uh, give up a, uh, a little of his time.
2: I won't give it away, but I'll say,
1: what? not just rock and roll royalty,
3: actual royalty. Actual royalty. That's true. That's true. Would you all address me as Sir uh, for the
0: rest of this interview? <laughs> <laughs> as you wish Sir. I would love to.
3: This would kiss my jewelry. Maybe it would be better. And how many times have I said that? This would be uh, so. Now,
1: if anyone recognizes that voice, uh, um, you can sit at home and 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 be into uh, the fact that you know who the guest is, even though we haven't said who it is yet. I want to run down real quickly. We have a, uh, this gentleman to my right played at Live Aid. Yeah. He uh, he co-wrote a song called Animotion.
2: No, called Obsession. Obsession.
1: Amotion. I'm an idiot uh, <laughs> for the band uh, um, Animotion. He's been he's shared the screen with Clint Eastwood. He's been in movies like To Sir with Love and Under Siege, and he's been in uh, television shows like Seinfeld, Roseanne, Frasier, MacGyver, Nip Talk, Jag, and he has the distinction of being in the original WKRP in Cincinnati. And a regular in the new WKRP in Cincinnati. Ladies and gentlemen, a big rock solid welcome for Mr. Mr. Michael DeBar, Sir, Lord Michael DeBar, Lord Michael DeBar. I'm exhausted from just listening to what I've done. I, I need to go back to bed. We, we didn't even mention music yet, but we will get. Yeah, to Yeah, we'll that. get to the. Music. Yeah, that would that would be good. Yeah. yeah so, so that was uh, everything but the. That know. was everything but music. That's just that's just a little taste of what this guy. You no, know, it's done. been an
3: amazing journey. You know, I, I started off as an actor when I was a kid. I was very lucky to uh, 15, 16 to be cast in a movie called To So in Love with Cindy Crawford, which is an amazing. Um, a movie and changed my life, obviously, because I was introduced to many things at that time. I was introduced to the idea of what a movie star was by Sidney Poitier, who sure. remains the most noble, charismatic man I, I ever met, and set Very a template classy. for work. You know, he was beautiful, He was so talented, and we watched him like a hawk. It was, uh, you know, I went to drama school. They took out half of the class of our drama school and put it in the movie. (laughs) So we already had a relationship, which was really good for the for the for the movie. And of course, this is 1967. So London in 1967, shall we say, was a little different from North Hollywood in 2012. (laughs) Swinging, you know, it was swinging, and it was hashish, and it was velvet, and the streets were paved with velvet. (laughs) And uh, you know, and a lot of experimentation, a lot of drugs, a lot of um, um, break,
1: and you, you breaking were like the
3: boundaries. You were
2: like the, uh, the, uh, the uh, hoodlum East Ender kid. You were like the bad news kid, right, with the shades on. Yeah. And, uh,
3: was, that, was that close to your uh, personality? Absolutely <laughs> not. I'm the sweetest man that ever lived, <laughs> apart from Jesus and Buddha. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, it's called acting, you know. Yeah. I, I, I'd been to these boarding schools, uh-huh. so I was, you know, educated in a very sort of academic and, and traditional way because I was born into this family, you know, this, this aristocratic family, which, by the way, I mean, it means absolutely nothing to me. Mm -hmm. You know, it means a lot to my son, interestingly enough. But the whole lineage of the aristocracy to me is absurd. Right. You know, and it's elitist. And I was, you know, subjected to that sort of British class system, (laughs) which sucks, you know. And
2: that was the spirit of the 60s, right? To rebel against that more in... uh,
3: Well, rock and roll has uh, always been a working class gig, you know. And and you come up, like sports or something, you come out of the ghetto with a guitar Mm or a basketball. Mm -hmm. And I came out with... um, you know, eyeliner. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But no, you know, the whole movie experience, I'd worked as a kid as an actor, but the the, the acting was really important to me. People say to me, well, what do you like best, you know, acting or music? and, And I always say, I like to express myself. Yeah. In whatever form. I know that sounds corny and somewhat pretentious, but... But I get the same joy from hitting a scene and you know, nailing a scene really well. It's a rhythm. It's all about the rhythm. And, and you know, rock and roll is all about rhythm and energy. And yeah. to me, it's the same. The most exciting thing, of course, is standing in a hot, sweaty, packed club yeah. with a Les Paul around my neck and um, <clears throat> girls around my feet.
1: Yeah, <laughs> With the acting, you... Uh, you don't get an immediate response from from uh, from doing that like you Film do acting, w- yeah. Yeah, with music. Yeah. Well, it, you stage. go into
3: a trance, you know, where mm-hmm. if you're lucky, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's like writing songs or any artistic endeavor. You find yourself in a, in a, in a frame of consciousness that transcends the ego and transcends response. I'm not really there to get a response anymore. Right. I've learned that over the years. In the beginning, we'll love me, love me, love me, <laughs> but I don't feel that way anymore. I feel that if I feel good about what's happening, you know, it, the way that that uh, Manifest is you're not thinking. You're yeah. just you're just doing what you what you do, and when the guy calls cut, and somebody you know uh, you know um, maybe an applause or something you know uh, uh, that's a, an incredible feeling. But I don't do this for a reaction anymore. Yeah. I, I do it because it's all I can do, yeah. and I and I. And I, and I And I love it so much, just expressing myself. You know, I'm 65 in January, and I have a rock and roll record just come out. You know, so that speaks volumes, I think, to my commitment to... Um, you know, self-expression and art. That's
2: a good segue. Uh, Michael's here today to promote uh, his new album. This is this is your first
3: album in, in how long? Twenty-six years. What? Yeah, I was in uh,
2: twelve or
3: something. So. Yeah, no, no, no. This is uh, you know, I mean, I have made, I've been on TV killing people for, for the last. <laughs> quarter, you know, I'm busy. Had, so, <laughs> so, you know, it, but never have I ever strayed away from rock and roll. But mm-hmm. you know, when I did the Power Station live, that was such a, a high point for me yeah. in '85, and you know, and I'd written "Obsession," and I was, you know. And it was one of those peak moments in your life with the private jet and and these 22-year-old Duranis, you know, with bowls of Coke and (laughs) half-naked, you know, pilots (laughs) in in the private jet. You know, it, it uh, it was every fantasy one ever had. And I got that character Murdoch on MacGyver a week after... The tour ended, wow. you know, and 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 everything went from there. Now that doesn't mean that I didn't go to Austin, Memphis, Nashville, you know, wherever I wanted to go, Paris, wherever I wanted to go, and and listen to music, yeah. get up with bands, and sing with bands, and you know, and I never. I mean, I've listened to Sonny Boy Williamson and John Lee Hooker of my entire life, every day. Wow! So it's never it's never <laughs> gone away, but I I, I just relish the idea of a, of changing because. I found that if I do move from one thing to another, it informs the others. I don't become myopically yeah. rock and roll, myopically theatrical. Well, that's not true, <laughs> but you know. I'm, so I don't get stuck, and the, and that's the, I think the great uh, pressure of artists is, is they 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 play you know themselves for the rest of their lives as actors.
2: And all, all those all those forms of art that you do, it's kind of. Uh... It's different ways to get out that same feeling of uh, transcendence, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like absolutely. When it's, it's going well.
3: Yeah, when it's going well. But it's going well if you say it's going well. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. it's a, it's. Yeah, I sound such a contrivance, but I've really uh, um, spent the last few years of my life stripping away the artifice of what I do and trying not to posture with it and just be it. And uh, I'm sure your listeners can understand this. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're learning how to play guitar or you're in a band you know you you're being of service to the world you know you you're, you're, you're entertaining people you're, you're, the way that works, man is it's it's a relationship between you and your audience it's not you on some pedestal being worshipped and adored. It is when you're nineteen, right, right. but you know not now i'm thirty two <laughs> It's, uh, <laughs> you know you've got to learn something along yes. this uh, this crazy crooked path <laughs> you know and it's a conversation, and I swear to God this is true <clears throat> at Live Aid, there were a hundred thousand people in the stadium j f k. And, uh, you know, two billion people watching. It's crazy. S- and I realized in that moment, this is ridiculous. I mean, i it's me and them and well, one thing. Without them, I, I'm nothing. Without me, they probably wouldn't be there. Or, or Madonna or Keith or Dylan or whatever mm-hmm. it was that day. Um, and I realized something very important, that it's a relationship between me and the audience is what's
1: important, not one or the other. Exactly. How, did the, uh, how did the power station thing happen? I mean, uh, Robert Palmer didn't want to tour And uh, they call you. And is it an immediate uh, immediate yes from you or something like that? Um, It was an
3: immediate yes to audition. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. (laughs) You know, because here's the thing that happened. You know, I knew Palmer very well Mm -hmm. because in the early 70s, he was in a band called Vinegar Joe and he was an R&B guy. This is before the sophisticate Robert Palmer. (laughs) um, which 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 he became, yeah. But he was always a very erudite man and a very bon vivant, you know, loved life. And uh, we used to hang out, do lots of blow, and you know, and, and, and play rock and roll, and uh, which is what you do. And uh, well, we don't, but well, you, you do. Well, it. <laughs> we don't do that. that. <laughs> well, until you know, and nor do I anymore. I mean, until you suss out that that's just you know, you know, it's like the right earring or a good lyric, because it's just something you feel you have to do, right? <laughs> um, and enjoy some of it, not all of it.
2: We should say Michael is not high at this time. He's, yeah, uh, he's uh, you've you've done a lot of work uh, in the in the opposite direction. Uh, rockers against drugs. Uh, I have, yeah, yeah. Although you did admit uh, your new cortisone addiction. You were yeah, <laughs> I'm
3: addicted yeah. to cortisone because my body is just like you know so beaten up with the recklessness. <laughs> 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 but you know, but the, the 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 power station story is an interesting one. What happened was Check It past that with Steve Jones from the Pistols, mm-hmm. um, Tony Sales from Tim Machine, Burke, and Nigel Harrison from. Mm-hmm. Blondie with yeah. the rhythm section. It was an incredible band, super band, uh, which was the kiss of death. But then, we'll get into that.
1: Um, <laughs> and who produced Checkered Pass? Who uh, was the producer? Uh,
3: God. <laughs> God said and Michael shall sing it. <laughs> with
1: the sex pistol <laughs> all
3: those they will create a dreadful you know racket
1: <laughs> which is what we did. all those guys are still around you guys could do a checker pass too well, what and dude, I would you know, love
3: it oh, oh dude you know you're very sweet it was an incredible band I mean you've got Clem Burke and you've got Steve Jones great drummer, yeah. great you know drummer. you've got an incredible band you know with truly flitting around in a cape but <laughs> but we opened for, for the Durannies in San Diego Go right, and they went. You know, they really liked it, and you know, and a year went by, and and uh, I, I was in Texas uh, with Don Johnson, who remains a dear friend, and uh, he was making a movie down there, and I went down there to hang out, and, and um, Ava Gardner was in this movie, and I adore Ava Gardner, and I wanted to meet her, uh, and so I got a call down there uh, in, in Marshall, Texas, which is in the middle of nowhere, from a promoter in New York, mm-hmm. saying that there's this band that has a tour book that needs a singer. And I said, obviously, what band? And they said, we can't tell you, Michael, but there's a first-class <laughs> ticket for you waiting at the airport. Go to, will you come to New York right away? And, and I said, yes. <laughs> I'll come to York right away because the
1: curios- curiosity was killing you probably
3: well you know nothing kills me except uh, um, you know jealousy and envy and, and, <laughs> and, and, uh, and heroin <laughs> you, know, so
1: I, you I, don't I, want someone else to get that sweet gig yeah. this is your well, gig to, it, to it, lose or get Yeah, I've always felt that way though I've
3: never left an audition as an actor or anything without absolutely being convinced I got it <laughs> now I've been wrong 99% of the time, <laughs> <laughs> but nevertheless um, you know it's confidence that is catching. You know, you walk in that room and you own the room, you, 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 yeah. you, you know, you, you, the room is yours, etc. So I go to New York, I, I go into this office. I'm met by this, the longest limousine I've ever seen because Durani was like, they were massive. At that. Yeah. They were, the, they were the fucking Beatles at that point, yes. you know, and they're 22 years old. And I was 14. So <laughs> I go, I get in the car, I go to the office, I see a very nervous John Taylor, a very mm-hmm. nervous Tony Thompson. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have a tour booked and Palmer said, right. ah, I can't do it. Um, and I, th- I suspect the reason that he didn't want to do it was because, you know, you're playing to 20,000 topless teenage girls. <laughs> who
1: wants to do that? Now, who the hell wants to do <laughs> that? That's just a boy. Well, he, d- he
3: didn't at that point because he was a very, you know, he's in the pinstripes yeah. and, he's, and he's a sophisticated, you know, R&B artist at that point. Very, and listen, I had the deepest respect. But I do like topless girls mm-hmm. and especially 20,000 of them and and so you know but so that's, that's 40,000 boots uh, you, you, know, <laughs> right you there. know if you want to break it down i could break it down further but that's okay <laughs> um, so the, so andy's in london so i go i i get on the concord that night
1: the mm-hmm. same night
3: and wow. go to london and with the album which they got me and took his voice off so you're
1: I'm, you're learning it on on the on flight
3: the, on the concord i'm gonna get it on <laughs> bang a gong, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> Having known Mark Boland for many years, you sure, know, sure. I felt that, that I could do that. Uh, and I got to London and I waited in a studio for Andy Taylor to show up, and eventually he does in a cloud of marijuana smoke and twelve bodyguards. He's only small, and uh, but what I'd done was I'd set the, the, the engineer to get that, you know, the, get it on track and my voice perfect. And as he walked in, I go, you know, well, you're dirty and sweet, clad in bang, don't look bad. Well, oh yeah, okay, let's go. Show shopping
0: <laughs> you know, and, and,
3: and that was it Done. and that was it I flew back to New York and uh, the next day imagine this I mean just put it in your head just uh, what that was like I, can, know, I can't imagine I didn't sleep. how am I going to imagine this <laughs> days talking to I'm yeah,
2: exhausted going to Trader Joe's <laughs>
3: <laughs> well you know the thing is I've always been ready this is very important for your listeners and anybody else that's in bands and actors or artists of any kind, or indeed, if you're a dentist. I mean, be ready. Just be ready yeah. for something beautiful <laughs> and expect it. Yeah. And keep your curiosity and mm. enthusiasm, you know, and, 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 and life will turn out well. It did for me, and it has done for me,
1: and it is today being with you guys. And just oh, just really? so you know, Michael, this is a. This is actually an audition. We don't know if we're going to air this or not. Yeah, so, so, so far, we'll, it's going over. Yeah, again. we'll okay. check the tapes at the end, and then we'll let you know. Well, you I, I, I just <laughs> let me know, uh, you know, how, how I did, man, and I, I'll <laughs> oh, be so
3: grateful.
2: We'll call your people. Would um, do you do you feel like doing a song now? Should we stop sure. down yeah, now? Yeah, let's or do or, it. And then the, we'll uh, come the, back and chat some more.
1: The new yeah. album's Carnaby Street. Oh. It was twenty-some uh, years in the making. 20, uh, no, darling, of course not. Twenty years in the <laughs> <laughs> making. I made it in a week. Are, <laughs> are you kidding me? I was twenty-six years in between albums. <laughs> but Confuse your you're, listeners But you're, you're, writing, uh, uh, you're writing all the time, I'm sure. You yeah, just yeah. didn't stop writing behind the s- scenes of Yeah, but there's acting. a real story behind it. What song are you going to play? Well, the one that I have uh, uh, queued up here is, uh, is the title track. Okay, well, let me explain something. Unless you want to uh, play that one.
3: No, okay. you play that one, because right. it's a f- steaming rock and roll yeah. song, and I'm going to play you uh, something else which is more interesting. Excellent. Um, the, the, the story behind it is it's called Carnaby Street, which is this mythological street in London where all the clothes were being sold mm-hmm. and swinging London. So it was a sort of a mecca of fashion. You know, everybody was there. Keith Moon was drunk out of his mind at noon with a (laughs) bottle of brandy, and Pete Townsend would be buying a Union jacket, Mm -hmm. you know, and so on. The
1: Stamp brothers were there, I'm sure. Oh, yeah,
3: absolutely.
1: God bless Chris. He just passed away. Um,
3: But, uh, you know, so that was the vibe. So I wanted, if I um, conceived of this record as a return, as an homage, as a memory, as a, not a sentimentality, but as a re-evocation of music that I was at the crux of. Mm -hmm. You know, this is not something that I'm, You know, adopting in a retro way. I was in the clubs watching Terry Reid. I was in the clubs listening to Georgie Fame. I was in the clubs watching the Yardbirds, Cream, Jimmy fucking Hendrix. I went to school with Mitch Mitchell. Wow. He said, "I'm playing with this black guy. Uh, You want to come?" I go, "Oh, god." Okay, sure, man. Yeah, you know, whatever you're doing, I'll support. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> yeah, and I saw him, and he just, you know, it was the most miraculous thing. I ever sort of changed my life. I
2: witnessed the history.
3: I, yeah. Well, yeah, I've been, I've seen a lot of history. Yeah. You know, I, I've been fortunate to be, uh, you know, have mentors. Um, you know, Deep Purple put me on their label. Zeppelin put me under their wing. The the Pistols uh, and Duran. It's pretty, uh, a terrific lineage there, and and I've learned. So much from all of those people. Yeah. But this album is dedicated to the swinging 60s. Why don't you rock at Carnaby Street? Excellent. Matt. Here it is. Here <laughs>
1: So now, just just so I can uh, get into it right now, listeners, this is on iTunes. You hear that song? How do you not go and just click buy immediately? Immediately, Uh, for so amazing, that's awesome.
2: Our guest, Michael DeBard, those opening scenes of the uh, Austin Powers movie—that was a
3: documentary for him.
2: He was living that, (laughs) dancing on Carnaby Street in his velvet pants. (laughs)
3: Yeah, yeah. We were actually, you know, it's it's always the way that people view it. You know, I, I, I think that Spinal Tap, while being a fantastic movie, actually killed rock and roll. No kidding. <laughs> because no, I'm, the I'm archetype of the rock and roller is this monosyllabic fool, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> mm-hmm. None of those guys, from Rod to Mick to Keith, are fools. No, 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 no. no. Smart but, what, you know, it was a comedy, and it was mm-hmm. one of the funniest things we've all seen. Mm-hmm. But I think it spawned an idea about rock and rollers being idiots, Mm-hmm. Now, if you can put your mind into the fact that in nineteen sixty three for these guys, these young men and women adopted the blues mm-hmm. from America mm-hmm. and they dressed like Oscar Wilde and they played like Johnny Hooker. Mm-hmm. Now that takes a certain sort of academic uh, uh, brilliance, a yeah. physical brilliance. I mean, if you're talking about intellectuals, I, I, you know, Steve Jones is the most intellectual person I know. He could hardly read or write.
1: Yeah, yeah. You
3: know, but he has an incredible innate instinct. So that has never been portrayed. You know, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think Miss Pamela... Achieved a great joyous literacy in her book. I'm with the band, Confessions of a Groupie, my ex-wife, which is really required reading for anybody who loves music. Because what it does is, it shows a, a young girl who saw through the the spinal tapness right. and saw them as human beings. Hum, you know. We've never been de- uh, depicted as human beings.
1: Well, You know, it's funny when you talk about Spinal Tap. Um, the the band members in Spinal Tap they obviously speak with an English accent. But yeah, when I watch that movie, I never think of Mick Jagger and and these guys. For some reason, I just think of some lunkhead Sunset Strip band from the eighties that has an <laughs> English accent. I really, I really, because I I do know that Mick Jagger and and Pete Townsend and all these people are intellectual people and smart. And you don't have a career like they have. If you're not,
3: yeah, well, yeah, and the hair metal speaks for itself. They they lost their hair. Right, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Just like Samson, with it, their power. But the point is is that people are very influenced. And they, you know, I don't know why I'm going on this tangent, but I think what I'm trying to say is is that living the life of a musician, for one thing, Mm -hmm. I looked this up and I wrote a blog on this for The Rap, which is an entertainment industry blog, about which profession um dies early like is uh-huh. it a dentist is it a doctor is it mm-hmm. rock and roll musicians yeah. have the shortest life now why is that that's because you're under such enormous pressure yeah. to produce now, not anymore because now the, the 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 corporate structure is gone thank god yeah. right, and right. kids can make records and sell them out at the back of their car or the back, or the back of their laptop you know and and it's a very much more healthier climate now yeah. than it was then. Then it was absolute servitude. I mean, you were, you know, Prince wrote Slave on his face and, you know, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and a number of other things, including my phone number. But <laughs> the, the – the, which is why we sold a lot of records that year. But, I, <laughs> but the thing is, is that, uh, you know, it was servitude. It was a corporate criminal thing. I mean, shipping 300,000 albums – and getting paid for ten of them. We
2: don't have any money. <laughs> but to to tie it in with your previous point about uh, 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 your ex wife and I'm with the band and yeah. everything, uh, yeah, you really do need to read that book. It, it's amazing, and you might come to it like you know, oh, it's the you know, this uh, groupy story. You know, but like you want to get the sal- salacious details. But what you, what you take away from it is just the purity of her uh, devotion to these uh, artists. Is 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 something that as as music fans we all can relate to, and you know I'm I'm a guy in my mid 40s, and I think like you know why am I still you know interested in this music like that that a teenager into, and and it is because it is like. Uh there's that. There's that transcendence. There's that uh, thing. Like these are the philosophers. These are the guys doing the work. And uh, you know, they're they're like they're they're worthy of our at- attention and our
3: adoration. Well, they humanize. Right. Yes, uh, these feelings the
2: crystallize it for us.
3: Yeah, and that's right. And they they, they simplify what we're all feeling yes. and, and feed yes. it back. And one thing feeds the other. The thing about the thing about loving music is exactly what Miss Pamela is all about. Is is that she has great respect. For uh, for great music, the other thing to remember is Robert and Jim. Robert especially was eighteen, nineteen, and he was a golden god. Yeah, Robert yeah, Plant. <laughs> now, yeah. yeah, now he came from uh, the Midlands in England, yeah. working class background, no education. When they came to California and they met the, these girls that were shall we say, somewhat more evolved in, in terms of the revolution sure. that was occurring yes. and fashion and drugs. And they introduced these young men and women, primarily young men then, to a different life, to a life of openness and love and turquoise bracelets. <laughs> and, and, and if you look at those guys, when they first arrived on these magnificent shores where I've lived over half my life and love... When they went back to England, they're dressed like cowgirls. <laughs> so there was an enormous cultural shift. You know, and I guess the point I'm trying to amusingly make is, is these girls had a lot more effect yes. on the intellect and the feelings and emotions of these young,
1: brilliant men. It was because the
2: reciprocation you were talking about yeah, between audiences. Absolutely and, right. Uh,
1: because surfacely, people would just say, oh, sex but it's not that. Yeah, well, it's more and, than and that.
3: they're right. You know, I mean, sex <laughs> always comes first. <laughs> you know, but then hopefully if you hang around, when I'm involved. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, if you hang around, you maybe get inside somebody in different ways. You right. Dig, you dig, you know, and mm-hmm. so it becomes an emotional
1: attachment as well as a physical one. And, and you and Miss Pamela were married for how long? A long time?
3: We, we, were, we were together for 14 years mm-hmm. and married for seven. I am now in love with a beautiful woman, uh, Britta. We've been together for four years and I'm, I'm tremendously happy within
1: the structure of that a monogamous relationship Next. excellent lovely so now behind you is what I call a guitar <laughs> yeah. now, I don't know what you call it Michael but to me that's a guitar
3: <laughs> I call it uh, Lucille beautiful okay. Martin acoustic <laughs> BVJ Bar so it's a song I wrote in the 80s I cannot sleep, I am a possession i open at your feet and there's no balance
0: No equality, be still I will not accept defeat I will have you, yes I will have you I will find a way I'm gonna have you baby like a butterfly Wild butterfly, I will collect you and capture you. You are an obsession. You're my obsession. Who do you want me to be to make it? sleep with me? You're an obsession, an obsession. Who do you want me to be to make it sleep with me? You know I feed you. I see the beauty there, I see danger. Stranger, beware of circumstance, and you'll make it dream. Your affection is not what it seems. You are an obsession, you're my obsession. Who do you want me to be? To make sleep with me, you are an obsession. Obsession. Who do you want me to be to make you sleep with me? Yeah.
2: Ooh. Oh my goodness,
1: dude, <laughs> unbelievable. Now, Michael, when you and Holly Knight write the song, is it written in this way? And then because it's that's much different from the way the uh, man, uh, the animation version is.
3: Yeah. So well, I wrote it
1: about heroin.
3: <laughs> okay. <laughs> really? It's about drugs. I, I In 81, I got off drugs, and the word obsession was totally everywhere mm-hmm. I went, and, and, and I was obsessed, and am obsessed to this day. It's a different word I use now, but very myopic about things. You know, I'll do it to the hilt, mm-hmm. whatever it is. So I wrote the lyric really about that, and then when... Um, Holly and I sat down to write it. She's a really amazing musician and an extraordinary yeah. composer. And because it was the eighties, and uh, I knew I couldn't write about uh, heroin for a pop audience. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and and God bless Lou Reed, you know, and others, you yeah. know, did. Um, but I, I then incorporated into the lyric the fact that it's he's obsessed with a girl. Yeah. You yeah. know, and how 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 can he get her? How can he? How can he? You know. No, you know.
2: Your your version though that, that 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 chugging drive and it looks like it's it's a two chord song, right? It's oh like, yeah. And it's uh, as someone who's you know has had his struggles with uh, substances or whatever, it, it really captures that sort of like driving. It's almost like a, a bolero or something almost where it's just like a relentless cycle of yeah. chugging. Like you think it's yeah. you're gonna get it, but then you've got to go back. Well, know, if you way. listen
3: to Heroes, yeah, yeah, it's the same feel. Or you know by by David Bowie, the greatest artist ever, you know arguably um, uh, you know it, it has a propulsion to it, so mm. you you you're forced to listen to it yeah, yeah it's yeah. other songs that exist in that in that manner, but what I've discovered is over the years is the less the less I say and play, the more effective it is. Mm. If I get lost in C diminished and ninths and yeah. all of that. I mean, you know, that's for progressive artists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I am a degressive or whatever. <laughs> you know, I mean, a math you runner. know, I mean, it's just, yeah. It, 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 and that song requires, the way I play it is not the way. Most people play it, but right. but, but I wrote it, yeah. you know, yeah. so, so, so I can play it any fucking way I well, want. So
2: it's it's uh, dare I say it's sexier than the, the hit is. version. Yeah, yeah. And,
3: yeah. Well, that, well, that was all. You know that that synth pop Yeah, that was pretty sexless, but, <laughs> but 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 that's okay. Yeah. I, I think they did a fantastic yes. job, and and I am very grateful to them as is uh, my my son. Going to the mailbox. <laughs> that's sexy. Give them uh, yeah, envelopes. Give them, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> my my <account> is extremely <laughs> thrilled with that emotion. <laughs> To this day, because it's in some movie or TV show every, you know, all the time. Yeah. So, but that's my particular version. I hope you enjoyed it. Wonderful, so, thank you. fun to play.
1: Yeah. Uh, nice. Do you mind if we just give people a little taste of some of the, of your past work oh, with no, a please. detective and with uh and with checkered past? We're gonna we're gonna play uh, uh got enough love, a little of that, a little of warm love, and then a little of checkered past. How much is too much? Oh,
2: great. We a little Let's hear a
1: little bit of this.
0: It wasn't happy ending. The beginning it was rough. You didn't want to believe that my love was enough. Such a cautious little girl, afraid to dance to close. You always seemed to disappear when the music got you slow. Got over love but the two above.
1: So, um, the detective albums were on Swan Song, which was Zeppelin's label. Yep. And the uh, the drumming on this very, very sounds very much like a, a John Bonham groove to me. I like that a lot.
3: Isn't that a coincidence? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Wonder <laughs> how that worked out.
3: <laughs> That's
2: 1975.
1: Seventy seven. Seventy seven. Okay. 77. Yeah. yeah.
2: And uh, you you haven't lost anything on your voice. You're like uh, you take care of the instrument.
3: I did. Yeah. It got better. I mean, I I just you know. In those days, I was extremely strung out on, on uh, anything that was available. Um, but uh, we, which which, in some kind of mad way taught me how to sing, really. I mean, I've learned a lot about what not to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but this album, you know, my voice, you know, we recorded the Viper Room show last week, and it, it was, it's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, I feel so blessed, you know, I, you well. know. It, it's, so, it's so difficult to put into words. I think I enjoy it so much. It comes across. It comes, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah you're, uh,
1: let's, uh, the gratitude and
2: the uh,
3: enjoyment. Let's yeah. jump
1: into Checkered Past. Let's listen. This is, uh, this is what I deem a super group because you have uh, Steve Jones from The Pistols, some guys from Blondie. And uh, this is pretty great. This is uh, How Much is Too Much, Checkered Past. And so that goes back to 1984. And again, we didn't discuss this with Michael, but I'm going to tell you that is on iTunes, and you go and you take your 999 and you buy this album. This is a great album from 1984. This is fantastic. I love it. Thank you so, so much. Great.
3: It's so interesting because I haven't heard it in, since
1: 1984. <laughs> <laughs> do you, just but, just but you, you remember up. it.
3: You still remember it. So. I, I do, but often, you know, I listen to stuff and I go, what, you know, I, what was the, where, where was I? What,
1: <laughs> what was I wearing? Well, you know, <laughs> well I, on the cover, you're not Where you're wearing, not wearing much. Just pants yeah. on the cover of the album. <laughs> well, that's, that's welcome to my career. <laughs> you kick back, you got the, you got the blonde hair. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, that's, that's, uh,
3: it's well, Wade was a great band, man. I, I mean, you know, and I love the album, but live that band was really rocking. All right. And when we, you know, because of Steve, we attracted this punk audience. So we got together in New York, I remember, and, and, and we were a cover band. And we, oh, we it was that same band. Frank and Fenty was playing guitar mm-hmm. too, you know, from Blondie. But Bologna. we we, we own with Vacation by the Go Go's. <laughs> <Nice. laughs> so so the, the, there's there's a thousand punks in a club that holds. And they're like, 30. what the fuck is <laughs> this? And, they, and there's G, Steve. <laughs> You know, just uh, um, as Elvis, and and you know, and yours truly, because you know, I wore this cape in those days. It was my my Nosferatu period, <laughs> and uh, and 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 the band was drunk and stoned, and we stumbled on there and played and it was sounded so fantastic that we did that was our whole set was just doing covers
2: it was fun and covers. which
3: was great it, because it freed you from doing what you've known for and then, and you could reinterpret like we did Church of the Poison Mind by Boy George. Oh, yeah. wow. cool. Unbelievable cool. songs he wrote. Yeah. Just oh, yeah. shockingly t- talented really and, and and Steve really loved uh, uh, that whole pop thing. Uh-huh. but his way Yeah, you know, it's like when that famous thing about Glenn Matlock going, Well, God Save the Queen, the riff, and then Steve going, Oh, yeah and then and Steve played it and it's a different thing I mean he is and remains the yeah. greatest guitar player I ever worked with what Steve Jones no question
1: it's so funny that you, you say what kind of music Steve Jones likes but probably but like you said the audience that is a Steve Jones fan at that time probably hated that stuff yeah. and probably had no idea that well, he loved
3: it but that was the beauty of, yeah. of punk because like he's often said you know if I say it's fucking punk it's fucking punk <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know I mean
3: fuck off <laughs> you know I mean you, you, what's your idea what is punk you know yeah. is it what it is is about smashing convention and starting afresh if he wants to say Queen was my favorite band you know that's his right as as, as a human being and certainly to get characterized into one group is stupid you know Embrace everything and be curious about everything. And you know they say contempt prior to investigation. You know it's a big mistake. <laughs> yeah. big mistake. And he, and every How do you night know you we won't
2: like it. If we, you don't yeah, I, exactly.
3: <laughs> and we proved that. You know every night. I mean we do these covers and you know a lot of Lou Reed, a lot of Iggy too.
2: Speaking of yeah. punk, you uh, played the uh, punk rock god on uh, WKRP, lead singer of the Scum of the Earth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was a, that was an awesome turn. You you kind of bridge those two worlds between like you know classic rock and punk and uh,
3: yeah. Yeah, and, uh, This record does too. It's yeah. like there's there's songs on there that are very influenced by Eighth Note, you know, right, right. Uh, punk rock and and uh, and I love uh, the Pistols. Absolutely, you know. Imagine, you know, I've been at it since seventy two, glam rock. Then I was yeah. in Detective, like big, powerful rock and roll band. Then I went up to San Francisco in seventy seven. To see the Sex Pistols. Sure. Last show. Changed yeah. my life. Yeah. Well, because it was an energy that uh, we'd become tired. I'd become. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: ba-dum, ba-dum, am <laughs> <laughs> So
3: fucking sick of it. Wait, that's that's my whole
1: iTunes on library, <laughs> what you just did there.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, you're like Eddie Cochran or something. Yeah, I yeah. thought, oh, my God, this is a... And I wanted to, rock, I wanted to dance, you know, I've always liked uh, swinging music, music that, that really swings, you know, and 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 that hard rock and roll is is... Is is so potent and so powerful because of the enormous gaps that you have in the music and the holes that you can just sit on, you know. But uh, if you pardon the expression, and uh, <laughs> and, and you know, and, and that the liveliness and the, the the commitment of of Leiden, you know, blew my mind. And, um, and that was that was when I took a turn and the detective, you know, fell apart.
1: What is Lydon like uh, backstage? Does he spit <laughs> on you? What does he say? Does he um, shake your
3: hand? You know, I've only met him a couple of times. I have the deepest respect for him mm-hmm. as a lyricist and as a chronicler of his time. And uh, and even so now, you know, he's, he's really absolutely one of those extraordinary British eccentrics that mm-hmm. have yes. brought so much to the culture. You know, again, an uneducated man, I would imagine, but my God, he's as smart as it gets. And, you know, lyrically, the Sex Pistols were inconceivably good and and I remember when it came out and people were decrying the no, you know the fact that they couldn't play and and, and in retrospect what a load of shite that is! Mm. <laughs> you know, what is playing? What is it? Is it notes? Is it? Is it? Is it right. It's energy. It's feeling. It's yeah. a feel. It's yeah. a soulful thing. I mean, know, obviously, d- it's not Steve Howe from Yes, but <laughs> it's it's still its own thing. Well, you know, Steve has the Jones has the greatest description of progressive rock. He's, okay. he, he describes it like this: Well, it's like twiddly bits <laughs> 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 with stops and starts all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Which
1: is weird because...
3: Uh, <laughs> which I think is the most genius <laughs> review of any form of music. There is one other review that is equally magnificent. It's when, <laughs> when Andy Summers put out a solo album. Yeah. And there was a one-line review from, I think, a New York cynic. Uh-oh. And, uh, uh, oh, did I say cynic? <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, and it was, It Don't Mean a Thing... <laughs> if it ain't got that sting, <laughs> oh.
1: so and, and you know and, and when and you, when the guy typed that, he He's was like, very yes. proud of himself. No, oh, literally. fuck him! Yeah. I mean,
3: I've been so I've been victimized by those bastards. Uh. I mean, when I took over from Palmer, who you know is obviously a critic's darling, yeah. and it said we'd like replacing Elvis with Fabian. Oh come on! I, no, dude, I, are you kidding <laughs> me? It killed me. Uh. Uh, how could you? How could you? You know, it's like replacing... It's like, okay, he's, he's the new Jesus. Right, right, right. <laughs> and he's going to, you know, be, die for your sins, and he's going to make videos with chicks. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, I mean, you know, it's like very difficult to, or- to, you know... But I could give a shit. I they lo- make nothing. Well, That's I, crazy. you know, I've learned an awful lot about you can't rely on what other people think about you because if you do you know you're damned if you do you know and you're damned you know you
1: just gotta be just enjoy what you're doing and maybe others will if you're lucky well that's what's kind of fun now with um, with the internet and with iTunes with Amazon where the fans go on and they'll write the reviews, <laughs> and they'll tell you, you yeah. know, yeah. What, that they love it. They, so those, or, or not. That's you know? what counts. And yeah. I, or I, not.
3: I pay attention. You know, I have a lot of followers on the internet, you mm-hmm. know, and you, please, you guys, you know, Twitter me, Instagram, you know, Facebook me, whatever it is, you know, because I really, really, really love and respect you all out there, and I, I want to hear everything you have to say. I really do. I communicate. I don't call them fans. It's not they're not fans, they're friends and they've been mm-hmm. so loyal to me over the years I can't even begin to describe it brings tears to my eyes just to think about it. Without them I wouldn't have uh, lasted, you know. And um so I, I really encourage you to get in touch with me and, and I listen to those people. Mm-hmm. I don't listen to people that are paid to criticize. Right. right. Because the thing is is that journalism is about hatred and humiliation and, and negativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the, the like the paparazzi, like the tabloids, lies, absolute concoctions of the truth. And uh, I despise that culture. I despise the the reality show phenomena of humiliating mm-hmm. people, of seeing these girls ripping each other's hair extensions out, of <laughs> honey <laughs> yeah. boo-boo puking on it. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's all a load yeah. of bollocks. And, 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 and it's life, and I appreciate and love life in all its forms. <clears throat> what I don't appreciate is sp- Specifying the hatred and competition and humiliation that exists in our culture and putting it on television yeah. and claiming it's entertainment. It's not entertainment. It's wirism. It's, yep. it's negativity.
1: And it's got nothing to do with what I'm about. Yeah, and it's certainly not art either. And I feel sad for the people that that watch that show, those shows and get so hooked. There's so much... Well, it, it, it's a substitute for their own. Right. Yeah, like, well, yeah, like, right. Like, like,
3: like all entertainment to a degree. I mean, I remember when I did Roseanne's show and... And, and I loved Roseanne. I, Roseanne is a punk rock star For as sure, far as yeah. I'm concerned. And she gave great validity to an authenticity to the blue-collar family, yeah. if you recall. I mean, before her, there was not any entertainment that was based on a, a blue-collar home. Nope. And, uh, and that meant a lot to me. And I, lo- I loved her. She was so incredibly what we're discussing. And now, of course, she's an a political activist yes. now. And you can it- easily dismiss her. Go ahead. But what she's saying is what, you know, uh, a, a lot of um, scientists and academics aren't, are talking about, which is the collapse of, of the culture. Now, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe we need to sweep it clean and start mm. again, you know.
2: Yeah, from the, from, the, from the middle out, you know, the uh, middle class. From the middle out. Yes. Exactly yes. correct. That's
1: what uh, right? uh, just because we, we jumped into acting kind of yes. with talking about the Rosenthal. How did you get to be the villain? Why, why are you the villain well, so many times? You seem so nice. Mm.
2: The most recurring villain on MacGyver.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Murdoch. Well, yeah.
3: Well, his I, nemesis. I think that uh, again, it's archetypical. You know, I'm English. I have high cheekbones, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, and 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 the imagination of shall we say the major networks, uh, <laughs> uh, it does not really extend to anything particularly. Um, creative. Uh, you know, I mean, it does now It's amazing shows on television. Yeah. In the 80s, you know, of course. I mean, you know, Jeremy Irons, Alan Rickman, big mm-hmm. movie stars playing bad guys. You know, you, I walk... <laughs> I'll tell you how I got the gig. I'd finished... We did the soundtrack for Commando, you know, mm-hmm. Power Station, with the Schwarzenegger movie. And, and that song was uh, We Fight for Love. That's right. And uh, which I wrote with Andy. And we... You know, I had this white Rolls Royce, and uh, they asked me to come in to audition. So I had my role, and I had a driver, and I drove onto the set at Paramount and this is particularly impressive, I think. And I'm driving past the, the MacGyver offices and all the producers are outside smoking. Yeah. And, and they see me pull up in, in all the black gear. Yeah. And, and you're holding a white cat. A, 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 a white cat. I had a white tiger. <laughs> <laughs> and Siegfried and Roy were in the front seat. Anyway. Blowing each other. And I, uh, and I came, and I, the producers took one look at me. I got the gig in the fucking parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it was just so impressive.
1: Cigarettes would fall out
3: of the roller and I'd Oh, yeah,
1: that's our guy.
3: <laughs> we, yeah, yeah,
1: put a gun in his hand. Yeah. Awesome. We what? gotta, you gotta, you gotta get in a Bond film. I gotta see you opposite this Daniel Craig is what well, I need. I Love need to Daniel see.
3: Craig, and I, I love Javier Badim in Skyfall. Oh, Skyfall is, is it's phenomenal, it's fantastic. It's the uh, the best opening sequence I've ever seen in any movie. It's pretty good. And I love, I'm a huge Jason Bourne fan, you mm. know. But yeah, uh, but that was a fantastic opening to that movie. Daniel- but so getting the gig, that yeah. was the next six years of my life. Right. You know, and intermittently to answer your question, once you played it once, and it's been effective, and I got such mail from fans. Then the other networks mm. go, okay, well he can kill on O'Hara or whatever, <laughs> like these obscure <laughs> TV shows that I did, JJ Starbuck, and <laughs> you know shows that you never even heard <laughs> of. And I'd go to Vancouver just clean up, yeah. you know, yeah. and come back, you know, kill people, and come back, buy a house, <laughs> and you're a uh, pink Cadillac. No. Uh, you, well, the, that was East something else. Man. Eastwood grabs oh, you, puts a gun to your head. That was heavy. That was heavy because.
1: You know, It's a scene with you, Clint Eastwood, and Bernadette Peters. Yeah. It doesn't get better than that. No.
3: No. But that was funny, you know, because I went in, and, you know, I'm it was I'm playing an Aryan Brotherhood biker. That, <laughs> sure, so <laughs> so you know. I went in the audition, and, and he you know, the, the, he wasn't there. It was yeah. like a bunch of cameras and, like, official-looking executives looking mm-hmm. at me. So I talked like this, and I, uh, you know, I... I, I it was just so fucking mean and, <laughs> and cruel. It just sounded like a horrible thing. And, they, and the cameras right here, my face. <laughs> you know, stubble and my hair's in my hair and a ponytail. <laughs> God forbid. And 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 you know, and I got the gig. So I I arrive in Reno. In the mountains in Nevada, and Clint's there in this fucking huge trailer filled with Arnold Schwarzenegger's mm. gym gear. <laughs> you know, because that's what he does, Clint. He's like an incredible workout dude. And did Clint direct that movie also? No, it was, it was it? my buddy Van Horn, okay. his, yeah. his, his, uh, son, his, guy. his second unit director. Okay. He, he let him do it. But, you know, I'm five foot nine. Clint Eastwood is eight feet tall, <laughs> as was my Aryan Brotherhood gang. Yeah, yeah. So I'm the last one to arrive. So I come in, and, I, and I'm and i literally looking up at them all, and I'm the boss. Yeah. So I said, and I go out to Clint, and I go, go ahead, make my career. And, <laughs> and he loved me. And that night, we go into the trailer, and he shows me a Thelonious Monk. Documentary because oh, he's a music oh, yeah, yeah, fanatic, yeah, yeah. crazy, jazz unbelievable guy. jazz guy, and I love Monk. You know, yeah. I mean, just because he was just you know mad, yeah. and uh, and brilliant, you know, madly brilliant, so punk rock, yeah. absolutely correct. And he would dance, and he would go hit one note, go yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was just brilliant, like da da, you know, and, and and we watched it in silence, you know, me and him watched it because he knew I was music, blah blah blah. So I'm watching, watching with me. and there's a Warner Brothers executive in the back. And at the end of the movie, uh, you know, Clint had bought it to, to put out on Warner Brothers to, you know, popularize Lonish mm. Monk. You know, he's that generous. And they had the, you know, the Warner Brothers logo on the end of the movie. And he turns around to the executive and he goes... Get rid of the fucking shield, <laughs> which was so wow. heavy. Was went, oh my God! What the <laughs> fuck? I, Clint Eastwood rocks, in a, and, um, you know. And you know because he was that aware of yeah. he, he's made two billion dollars yeah. for Warner Brothers. Sure. Do whatever he wants, yep. and he's Clint Eastwood for Christ's sake. You know, we, let's forget about the Obama chair. You know, it's not yeah, it's, it's a nonsense. blip in the blip in the history of an incredible, talented, yeah. brilliant man.
2: Wow! Now between the acting and the music, uh, you must. Be uh, they must be hounding you to get on Broadway.
3: All the time you, uh, you know, you know I, I, I would love to do a Broadway uh, thing, um, but it's terribly hard work. You right. Know? Oh yeah, I mean, that's you're a doing eight shows a week, and yeah. you know, I did a lot of theater as a kid. You know. And and uh, yeah, uh, I, I, it would be great. I, I'm really working on a one man kind of thing. I, I I loathe even saying it because it sounds so pretentious. But one has had a rather charmed and interesting. You got to uh, share this life. these stories. Yeah. And and um, can I suggest a podcast? You should uh, <laughs> you should uh, do that. And <laughs> well, you know, it. yeah. I mean, it, it it's something that I think would really help because the thing is is that I have been redeemed. You know the the. I've been through a lot of stuff, Mm -hmm. a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of, like, we all have. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and a lot of my contemporaries, you know, as I say, I'm 65 in January, a lot of my contemporaries do not exist. Um, Or or if they do, they're in a befuddled state. Um, And I've never felt more creative. And, And I think that's an important message because guys of my generation, you know, today, the musicians anyway, you know, look at the Stones. You know the Stones are more revered today than they were yesterday, yeah. mm-hmm. and and that's because I think of the the longevity and the discipline that they and creativity. Because people say their music stopped in the eighties, it's bullshit. No, no, you no, know, no. They're the Stones. It's like <laughs> <laughs> criticizing Father Fucking Christmas. Right. <laughs> it's beyond critique. Come on, wake yeah. up, Mick and Keith. Give me a ba- break. <laughs> you know, and I feel that, that I feel part of that in in terms of that I'm here. And I, you know, and 80 percent of our audience, a Michael Day bar band, which you can get on Facebook, you guys, if you want a Michael Day bar band um, or Twitter, whatever, uh, you know, young people. Young people yeah. who have not, who love the faces, uh-huh, uh-huh. who love humble pie, sure. which is what my music is like. The Rolling Stones, that blues-driven, bluesy right. rock right. and roll arena band, seventies big endings. Their fucking endings were longer than most of these kids' albums. <laughs> <laughs>
1: do you, uh, yeah. Michael, do you have an opinion on on what do you think should Led Zeppelin? tour, should they? Definitely not. You don't think they should? Do you I think don't they think lose, so. Do you think they lose legendary status if they go on not own? I think
3: that would be pushing it, losing legendary well, status. Well, I, yeah. I, I, I think it would make uh, a dent in that legacy. Okay. And, you know, here's the thing, Robert, you know, he lives in Austin now. He said to me um, recently that it's very difficult to sing about squeezing lemon juice down his leg <laughs> at 60 fucking <laughs> four.
1: Well, so, he's, he's
3: not, know, not wrong. <laughs> and, 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 and for me, it would be akin mm-hmm. to Anthony Hopkins playing Romeo.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's
3: just wrong. Yeah. So you they, know, because that music is music of youth. Yeah, That voice... Was an incantation from Valhalla, mm-hmm. and he doesn't dig that anymore. Yeah. he's he he loves roots Americana. He always has.
1: Yeah, Elvis
3: is yeah. you know
1: Raul Donner. Yeah, his know. last album, Band of Joy, is excellent. Well, I, I saw it. I
3: saw both of these last two. Obviously, I see everything he does because he stays so in the moment mm-hmm. with his music. And you know, he's with Patty Griffin, and they make incredible music together. And I think to answer your question in all seriousness. It isn't Led Zeppelin. John Bonham isn't there. Yeah, yeah, right. And no no matter who you replace. Right. You know, The Who, it's the same thing. I did see The Who. The last time I saw The Who was the night after, uh, God bless him, you know. um, And Whistle Passed. And Twistle Passed uh, in the classic rock and roll way. (laughs) Um, You see, you know, John Lennon, he in one of his last interviews said that he'd rather be Gloria Swanson and live t- t- in his 90s yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. than be Sid Vicious. Oh, and, and, and you know, it, I can understand that. Yeah. Not not because you want to stay alive, but because you want to be of service to the world. Yeah. I, I'm not in the position today of being of taking anything. I, I'm a solutionist. I yeah. want to be part of the fucking solution. I don't want to be part of the problem. Even
2: even Neil Young is backed off on... Uh burning out V, fading away. Well, you know,
0: well you I, got I, I, yeah. I hope
3: I die before I get yeah. old. Yeah, I, I, I don't, think, I don't right. think so. No, let's not. No, last time I saw Pete, he was selling his book in mm. in, uh, <laughs> in, uh, in in New York, you know, and what is he? He's 120 years old. He's a little younger than I am. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, I mean, it's all bollocks. I mean, even Jagger, you know, said, I'm not going to be singing brown sugar at 40. Well, right. try 70. Try 70.
2: <laughs> you, you you talk about the the trials and tribulations you went through and uh, I, th- I think a lot of it is like the the redemptive power of music um i just, I just saw this amazing documentary uh called uh, lost angels my uh, skid row is my home about uh, people living on skid row this this woman god bless her riddled with lesions all over her body just like all these bumps and tumors lost a breast to cancer can barely see and her spirit and then like the movie ends with her singing uh Jesus loves me. Like, and she's just uh, just all about gratitude, us all about doesn't doesn't talk about, you know, why is this happening to me? Why are these tests? It's just and it's just amazing and uh, you know, she like uh she was uh, she was actually there at the screening I saw and she she like sang sang a little something and it's mm-hmm. just like uh and and it's like it's like you 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 like have a choice. You you can you can wallow or you can
3: yeah count your blessings. Well, dig this. Yeah. What I've discovered in terms of what you're saying, which is very beautiful, is acceptance yes. of what is happening. Don't worry about is what somebody else. Yeah. Well, it's just accepting it. I yeah. mean, and it sounds very whimsical, but you lose a leg. You know, you've got to accept it. I'm a great believer in the philosophies of Eckhart Tolle, Krishnamurti, and other mystics who say that pain is the resistance of what is. Mm-hmm. You are going to suffer if you don't accept what's happening because what's happening is what's fucking happening. And if you say, God damn it, I want another leg, uh, it's not going (laughs) to help. Now, that's very easy and glib of me to say, but if you can apply that to your life where you accept what is, that is, the train is late, Mm -hmm. the girl leaves, the man leaves, the job is lost. Now, all of these things uh, happen to us, all day, every day. Mm. Life is a challenge and a struggle. If you don't learn soon <laughs> to accept <laughs> what's happening to you, it will be painful. Yes. And, and I've always been of that. You know, it's like I've auditioned for roles that if I'd gotten, if I'd gotten, uh, would have been transcendent in terms of my, uh, rise in the entertainment industry. And not getting them seemed to be the end of the world. Right. Yeah, we've been there. The next day, I meet a beautiful woman. Sure. I have a fantastic, you know, something, ex- some experience. So there's no way of predicting what is going to change your life. Right. Because your life isn't about where it's going. It's about where it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, the woman with the lesions, you know, and people can only so, sort of look at it. I'm getting excited now. <laughs> people can only look at it in terms of Jesus. You know, a lot of people can uh, find their solace in yeah. in an outside belief system. But I believe that we are all the sons and daughters of God. And uh, our higher consciousness, unified, is what mm-hmm. God is. You know, I don't see God as being separate from who we are. Right. We are part of that and uh, and i think if you do feel that unity with everyone else there's a uh, there's a complete uh, you know your ego
1: just disappears I love Absolutely. that. Uh, I love that, Michael. That you started uh, that thought by saying, "Dig this," because no, with your accent. You can say, "Dig this." If I say, "Dig this," someone punches me right in the face.
3: But I love and that. Someone is me. Yes. <laughs> oh, I've been punched in the face, little, but they never got up after yeah. I punched them. Uh, <laughs> in the streets of London, I was in, I'm making a movie right now with Gina Gershon, Jennifer Jason Leigh, and uh, oh, Gina Gershon. Yeah, she's oh, beautiful. Oh my god. And there was some guy there that was nervous, I guess, and and uh, we were talking about music or something. And you mm-hmm. know, oh, fuck you, Michael. Listen to this. We're like, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> and all of that can come up. Yeah, you know, I could. i to bring the villain out in you. Well, I would tear his larynx out and shove it up his <laughs> ass. You know, in the old days, you know, and and and, and that violence in me is still in me because I yeah. am from the streets of yeah. London. You know, and and that was a very volatile place mm-hmm. to be and and uh, and and i i really try to work at my my temper you know especially when you're fatigued when you right. when you work in in this artistic profession you know it's a lot of hanging mm-hmm. around waiting to do the thing and that can cause a lot of pressure and one of the ways i've discovered of that of of sustaining a great performance is you 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 must be able to um be aware of tempo and timing and Conserve, and so when you're ready, and that that beautiful room is now lit after you've waited six fucking hours since you rehearsed <laughs> the scene, and you and you must be ready to go in there and be be glorious, you know, and uh, and things like that can distract you, mm. you know, like this guy, well, you know, he's trying to impress me or somebody else, and and I have to learn to breathe deeply. Mm, kind and of being douchey. That's what he's doing. And then I just put my bodyguard on him and, and uh,
1: or, or unleash the tiger. Exactly. The white that's tiger. a
2: very evolved approach <laughs> yeah. to uh, taking the... I think Michael's trying to tell us it's time yeah. to wrap it up with this uh, <laughs> tempo and time. Who's okay. <laughs> that? Uh, what's going on here?
1: Michael, do you want to play... Uh, would you mind playing another song for us? Mm-hmm. Uh, sure.
3: This is a song uh, I wrote about which is also an extremely important thing and that's... Uh, that is Forgiveness.
0: If ever you love me, baby, like you said you did, I'm begging you, baby, won't you? Please forgive. Cause I have loved you, baby, loved you all along. I was stupid.
1: Also, a song off of Carnaby Street. <laughs> I love Carnaby Street. Ten songs—that's the old school way to do it. Ten—that's perfect. Any,
3: any more than that is like you—you. You, it's like staying at somebody's house as a guest one night too long, <laughs> and eating all the food and doing all the drugs. No, you get in and you get out, man. You know.
1: So this is a uh, Carnaby Street. It's called the Michael DeBar Band. That's it. So it's not you. So you got to you put a band together. You yeah. guys, are, you guys are. Uh, you're, more studio stuff down the road, hopefully. Well,
3: absolutely. I mean, I'm putting out uh, so many things. I have this song "Rock and Roll Santa" out for oh, Christmas. Oh yes, tell us about that. Which I'd love you to, to, yeah, uh, we'll to sample or play a little bit of. It's, uh, it's on I- iTunes, Amazon, and CD Baby, and it, it's, it's interesting. I love Christmas, but I wrote this song about uh, you know Santa losing weight. <laughs> so it could get down the chimney. Nice. And, and uh, people have really responded. Steve Van Zandt plays it on Sirius, you know, it's just, uh, as do the, the Christmas Channel on Sirius, and it's really penetrated, and I, uh, please listen to it, because it's about... You know, eating good and uh, maybe coat cool, chilling in, uh, uh, with the cookies and in the <laughs> fruit plate. Check it out. Why
2: don't we? Well, that'll be our play-out. How about that? Okay, we'll uh, play out that. In a do you second.
3: have it? Because I have it. If you want me to give it, yeah, to you. give it to me.
2: Um, oh, that's awesome. Now, uh, do you have some uh, dates uh, that uh, people should be aware of uh, if they're?
3: I'm going to do a show in New York on January the 25th. Mm-hmm. Um, for my East Coast friends, I'm going to do a benefit for Sandy, the storm, because oh, so many of my fellow musicians lost a lot of their yeah. stuff. And I'm going to do it with a, a, a group called Rockers in Recovery, which mm-hmm. is a, an organization clearly of rock and roll musicians who quit drugs and alcohol. Uh, Ricky Bird is the musical director of that. And we're going to do, um, you know, Gina's going to sing with us. And uh, Gina's got a great voice. Yeah. Incredible musician, a great singer, and plays the Mean Jews Hop. Nice. You no, know? uh, Yeah, and, and uh, a lot of other wonderful people. Billy J. Kramer. Oh wow! is going to do the, the show. Mm. So it's going to be very, very interesting, and that is at the Cutting Room in January, and then the Michael A. Bob Band at the end of January, beginning of February, will go out on, on a tour... Uh, supporting both Carnaby Street, the album that you can get on iTunes, Amazon, Gonzo Multimedia, and also the live album, which is called Hot and Sticky Live nice. from Carnaby Street, which comes out at the end of January. So we'll be, we'll be hopefully coming to um, your your hometown. Can
2: they find those dates on? Do you have a website? Uh? Oh my
3: God! <laughs> do I have? Yes, <laughs> I have a, a website: www.daybar.com dot and I also have another website: Immedia, i double m e E-D-I-A. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook, Instagram and, Twitter. and Facebook and nice. every other social network. And you can knock on my door and I'll let you in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this has been my, a blast. This Michael. has been great, Michael. I mean, we we, could, we I think it's just the tip of the iceberg yeah. what we could talk to totally. uh, with Michael DeBar. But I didn't I've,
2: even get into MacGyver that much. <laughs> I know.
1: I know. We need to do an all MacGyver <laughs> episode. But, uh, yeah, I contacted Michael and he was gracious enough to immediately contact me back. And, and here he is. And we thank you. And let's play this out. Classy guy, talented guy. Well, wait a Intimity. minute. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> I would say that, that, that it, I've
3: enjoyed this tremendously. Oh, thank you. And oh, thank it's you. a lovely way to spend my Sunday morning. Oh, and I, you, and I wish you and your listeners all that, that you wish yourselves. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays.
0: Santa got skinny this Christmas time gonna be fine. Last year was tough. All those cookies and stuff. Put out a fruit plate. That'll be enough. Santa looks great. Santa lost weight. He's a rock.